Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 168, The Paid Membership Model. Hi, I'm Neil. Today's episode is going to be different. We're not going to talk about one topic related to Apple. Instead, we're going to talk about Above Avalon. This past week, I celebrated the fifth anniversary of launching Above Avalon membership. And I think it's a great time to go over my experience with the Above Avalon business model. Over the years, I've gotten questions from listeners and also readers and even members wanting to know more about what it is that I do. Some people may be interested in launching their own sites. Others are intrigued in how we are seeing a changing media and analysis landscape. So this episode, I'm going to bring you a little bit behind the scenes of Above Avalon. I went through the podcast archive to see when the last time I did something like this. It's been years. So there's been a lot of changes. I think it's a great time at the fifth year mark to kind of go over various success stories, what I think I've done right, and also the challenges. And that's the thing. There are a lot of challenges with this model. And I want to kind of put the full picture out there to get the full story so that everyone can decide for themselves whether this model may be of interest to you and your endeavors. The best way to really jump into this discussion is to briefly go over a little bit of the above Avalon history. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I do want to focus on the paid membership model, but I do think it's important to at least set the stage for how it is that I got to being able to launch membership in the first place. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in that. I launched Above Avalon in November 2014, and there were two primary ideas behind my thinking. I sensed a lack of coverage that I was interested in when it came to Apple. There were plenty of people talking about the tech side of things. You then had Wall Street focused on the finance side of things. But you didn't have many people focused on the intersection taking both sides, the finance, the business, and then the tech, and putting it together. And I wanted to read more of that type of analysis. And I was sort of already doing it independently on a Tumblr blog at the time. And I was writing articles that primarily I was just interested in reading myself. So I sense that there was a bigger place here for doing this full-time, for focusing on the intersection of Wall Street and Silicon Valley. The second idea that I had was that the media landscape was going to change. And again, this was back in 2014. At the time, you still had a lot of power found with what I would just refer to as the big shops, the legacy publications. So these are the publications that if I named them, you probably all would be very familiar with them. You would recognize the, the names. The way social media was trending, I thought that people were going to start looking elsewhere for analysis and even news. It wasn't that they were going to stop necessarily paying attention to all of these, again, the, 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 the big shops the big publications, but they would broaden their scope. And social media would, would play a big part of that. Above Avalon started as the website. I did weekly articles, 
podcast episodes. Those were accessible to everyone. And I also did a free email that was accessible to everyone. It was called Apple Orchard. I'm sure some of you received those emails. One way of summing up the email was that it was my reflections of the day. I would talk about one main story, maybe share some interesting links that I found, some random musings. I did that email on a daily basis for six months. The important thing from that free email was that it showed me a daily update or a daily email, daily newsletter. It's doable. It's possible. It takes a long time to do each one, but the workload is doable. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of entering in some type of work relationship or work arrangement, and they're not sure if it's sustainable. And if you're going to do a membership system, it's very dangerous to say, well, we're going to do this. This is my offer. This is my product. And then you start doing it and you realize, I can't keep this up. Well, this free email was sort of my test trial. To make a longer story short, I knew that I wanted to go in the direction of paid membership. The reason being, I wasn't interested in ads or sponsorships. When I looked at AboveAvalon.com, I just wasn't interested in having to publish a lot to generate page views, to generate unique visitors. I wanted to just publish things that I was interested in writing and also reading. And that may mean one article a week. That may mean skipping some weeks. That's tough to do if you're following an ad-based model. And at the same time, I knew from being from the finance side of things, I used to work on Wall Street, I was familiar with how the idea of paid memberships had a pretty long history when it came to Wall Street, where you had this idea of financial-related newsletters that people pay for. And at the time, you started to see this moving into other industries as well. And so I kind of put everything together and I said to myself, yeah, I don't want to chase traffic. Instead, I want to focus on high quality readers that are interested in sort of that long-term perspective. They're interested in what I had to say, how I thought about things. And they're not just looking for, you know, that short, quick article, that, that, that quick take that you see everywhere else seemingly at the time. I also figured that a paid membership model would work with my focus being on just Apple. In my mind, ads would probably make more sense if I was focused on a lot of other topics. And to be honest, it just that didn't really speak to me. Instead, I felt very strongly, and I still do today, that the best way of covering Apple is to begin with Apple. You have to focus with Apple, and then you move out. So that means you start with the company, and then you analyze the industry that Apple operates in. What I saw a lot of people doing, and they still do today, is they just treat Apple as any other company in an industry. And well, Apple does a lot of things differently than other companies. And so if all you're doing is simply comparing Apple to everyone else, saying, well, hey, they're not following what everyone else is doing. So I don't think that's going to work. I tend to think you go down the wrong path when it comes to analysis that way. 
So I wanted to keep my focus on Apple and then expand from there. That's how I approach all of these different topics, such as wearables, media, of course, smartphones, tablets. I end up talking about a lot of different companies, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Sonos, Disney, even AT&T, Comcast, the list goes on. I talk about them all, but I always come back to how it impacts Apple. That's the difference. And that's really what's set above Avalon apart and still does today from a lot of other sites. That brings us to May 2015. That's when I launched Above Avalon membership and a brand new daily update that was paid. And this update allowed me to go into much more detail on my perspective and my thoughts on what was going on in the world of Apple. One question I often get is, how did I know at that time to transition to a paid membership model? And my response would be two parts. The first is, listen to your customer. When I was doing the free email, I would have people reach out to me saying, Neil, this should be a paid product. You should be charging for these emails. They're really good, and we want to see you keep doing it. We want to see you find sustainability. It's pretty clear feedback. (laughs) So it sounds pretty simple, but listen to your customers. If people really like what you're doing, take that as a clue that, okay, there's going to be people who see the value that you offer. The second thing I would say, which is just as true, is you're never going to know for sure. I think I'll talk a little bit about this towards the end of the episode, but you may think you're going to have a good shot of doing it, but you just can never be sure until you do it. So you have to take that jump. You have to take that leap. Fast forward five years, and this brings us to May 2020. This past week marked five years of Above Avalon membership. I am happy to report Above Avalon continues to thrive with a sustainable business model based solely on paid memberships. Those who became Above Avalon members on May 13th, 2015 have entered their sixth year of membership. If you are one of those early adopters, that's how I think of that initial group, I did want to thank you. These early adopters played a pivotal role in financially supporting Above Avalon from the literal beginnings. Your support has been greatly appreciated. When we take a look at the paid membership landscape in 2020, a lot has changed from 2014 to 2015. Membership-supported websites have grown in popularity over the past five years. The way I think of Above Avalon is that it remains on the forefront of testing just how niche a site can be and still thrive. By focusing on Apple and its ecosystem, Above Avalon is an example of how sustainability can be reached by dedicating all resources to covering one topic, in my case, one company. In my view, it's never been easier to get a paid membership site off the ground, which means it's never been harder to find success. There are now startups focus on handling much of the back end that's needed for paid membership sites. And that's reduced the barriers that traditionally prevented people from monetizing their audience. We can be talking about writers, journalists, 
analysts. I think you can even go into the realm of podcast, video. So you have a lot more people who are in a position to say, here is what I offer. I think this makes a lot of sense for some sort of paid membership system. And I think that's great for the business model. You don't need to go down the route of ads or sponsorships to find financial sustainability. But this brings us to competition. I do think competition has increased in the space. And that's one clue that the model is working. But I don't think competition is as much of an issue that some people are making it out to be. I have a particular view on competition. It may be a little bit unconventional, but it has guided how I think about Above Avalon over the years. If the only thing that's pushing you forward, if the only thing that's really getting you creative is competition or the idea that someone else is going after you, I think you have other issues at play. In my opinion, You need to be your own competition, which means you need to be the driver behind wanting to push forward so that when you look back at what you were doing a couple years ago, you go, wow, I really have come a long way. If the only thing that's driving you in that pursuit is, well, I hope someone doesn't enter my turf, or I hope someone doesn't come up with something that makes me irrelevant, In my view, that's suggesting you're kind of letting your guard down a little bit. You are not going as fast as you can. That doesn't mean that you have to constantly reinvent yourself. As we'll talk about shortly, I actually think you could be doing the opposite. Instead, what it means is you need to find what you're good at. You need to look at where do you add value and just keep running with it. If you find something that works, keep doing it but improve upon it. This brings us back to the idea of outsourcing certain components of this business model. There are startups focused on handling much of the back end. Based on my experience, the technical details of starting a membership site, so that's creating a website, finding a payment processor, a membership system, handling and managing a mass email, and I'm sure there's other things if you're doing slightly different sites or focuses. All of that, which I built myself piece by piece instead of relying on a one-stop shop, pales in comparison to the time and effort spent on actually creating or offering analysis and perspective on a daily basis. Your perspective is ultimately what people will be paying for. And there isn't any outsourcing of that critical ingredient. So in some ways, when you look at what's happening in the landscape, the startups are focusing on what ultimately is the easy part of this. The hard part, the difficult part, is still found with what you have to do. And that is you need to create value. How do you do that? Build experience. Use your experience to figure out a viewpoint of the world and share it with others. At this point, I want to go over a few of my keys to success over the years and also some challenges that I faced and still am facing. I do want to point out that 
what has or hasn't worked for me may or may not apply to others. Please keep that in mind. This is, again, based on my experience. Other sites could be very different. My keys to success with the paid membership model. The first one is focus. As most entrepreneurs who have started businesses can attest to, a constant stream of opportunities arise along the way. And I think I could actually expand that to include most people in the workforce. You can be working on a team, on a certain marketing project, on corporate finance, the list goes on. You are always going to have opportunities of doing other things. Maybe I should do this with this particular project. Maybe we should also be focusing on this. Maybe I should be including this feature. Saying yes to too many of those opportunities will result in dilution of both your time and effort. Said another way, being able to retain focus by saying no more often than yes has been one of my primary keys to success. The cornerstone of Above Avalon membership hasn't changed in five years. Four daily updates per week. Each update's about 2,000 words and covers three stories. To date, I've run approximately 1,000 daily updates. The second key to success, sustainability. And we talked a little bit about this a few minutes ago. It's an interesting phenomenon, but success brings on more success in this industry. And it all has to do with consistency. Above Avalon members have come to expect an exclusive daily email in their inboxes. And that is exactly what they get on a daily basis. Week after week, month after month, year after year. Of those members who have chosen to step away from membership at some point, a good percentage have returned to find my daily discussion with members via these updates hasn't missed a beat. That kind of consistency wouldn't be possible if I spent years throwing things against the wall and constantly reinventing membership in an attempt to find financial sustainability. The third key to success, membership quality. Every paid membership site must weigh the relationship between pricing and membership growth. When I look at many of these new sites that have recently entered the realm of paid subscriptions, they have been pivoting to chasing subscriber growth. They have these drastic promotional offers. The monthly pricing is unsustainably low, and it tells me they're more interested in just kind of juicing that total sub number than really building a sustainable business around the idea of paid memberships or paid subscriptions. With Above Avalon, I made the decision to focus on long-term, high-quality membership relationships. This has resulted not only reduced churn, which is a good thing, but I've been able to remain focused on adding value to membership, and that helps in terms of overall growth. My focus isn't diluted or spent just simply trying to chase membership growth. The end result is membership that offers more value than its cost, with these two variables not being anywhere close to each other. The fourth key to success, strive to be the best. 
One of the loudest criticisms surrounding paid subscription sites is that people are experiencing subscription fatigue. People have too many subscriptions. There is truth found in that statement. However, there ends up being more going on that is rarely mentioned. There is no such thing as the average member or the average subscriber or the average subscription load. The top three subscription sites for one person will likely be different from the top three sites for someone else. To succeed, a paid membership site doesn't have to earn one of those top spots on everyone's list. Instead, the site has to resonate with only a few people. How do you do that? You embrace a be the best mantra that entails making sure you are at the top of your game in your respective beat. After five years, I'm confident saying that that kind of thinking has played a role in above Avalon membership success. So far, the paid membership model is sounding pretty good. (laughs) It's sounding like a win-win scenario, right? Well, there are challenges. There are difficulties found with this model. And I think whenever we talk about the model and we talk about successes, we need to talk about those challenges. The first one, exposure. While those who work at massive media outlets with teams in the hundreds or even thousands have what I refer to as built-in amplification apparatuses for sites like Twitter, notice how usually everyone on the same team retweets each other's articles. I think you'll find a lot of examples of that. Above Avalon has to fight for exposure. At times... That can be challenging, especially given my niche focus. As a result, I depend primarily on word of mouth for new Above Avalon weekly article readers and podcast listeners. Those two products remain my primary funnels for member acquisition. This is why having Above Avalon readers, listeners, and members share articles, podcast episodes, and daily update links is highly appreciated. And for those of you listening out there who have shared some of these podcast episodes, I did want to thank you for that. The second challenge has been the workload. Simply put, I work a lot to the point of being embarrassed some days by how long a daily update took to write. There are days where I may have spent up to 12 hours. However, I'm happy to say that every update that I've published to date has met my publication standards. It's just that some daily updates take longer to write than others. A consequence of this has been scaling back on the number of articles and podcast episodes that are published, as there's only so much time in a day. Instead of rushing ideas out via shorter pieces or rushed podcast episodes, I decided to simply publish and record less often and instead dedicate the vast majority of my time to Above Avalon members. My estimate is that on any given month, about 90% of my time is dedicated to membership, with the remaining 10% going to weekly articles and the podcast episodes. And those articles and podcast episodes are accessible to everyone. 
The third challenge has been hesitation. And this one's a tricky one. I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. As many artists can attest to, there is a difference between creating something with the expectation that people may or may not ever see it and creating something knowing that it will be seen. In my example, it would be read or listened to. As Above Avalon readership has grown over the years, I have struggled at times with hesitation when it comes to introducing new ideas or new theories. In the past, say back in 2013, 2014, even before I launched Above Avalon, I don't think I had as much of that hesitation. I had a certain idea or theory. I put a post about it together and I published it. Now I have this desire of almost perfecting an idea before it is released to the public. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's the best way because there is no perfection. Instead, I think a good way of doing things is you come up with an idea or theory. You make sure you have solid points supporting that theory. And then you have to be on the lookout for points that go against your theory, points that will say, wait a second, you do need to adjust your thinking or you need to approach this differently because of A, B, and C. One thing I've discovered is that a daily update format ends up alleviating some of this hesitation as I end up talking with people who are likely more aware of my theories and perspectives. So that means they may have been accustomed or familiarized with certain background to a new idea. Said another way, when you have someone who has already had a long-term relationship with some of your theories, you're more likely to share new ideas or thinking. Again, that's my best way of summing up this hesitation challenge. My assumption is that people in other creative fields experience something similar. For example, maybe with YouTube, there's a difference between publishing a video when you have 100 subs and when you have a million subs. I could be wrong about that. Maybe hesitation is not an issue. Nevertheless, it is a challenge that I continue to face going forward. Two other items that I wanted to bring up. The first has to do with reading habits. One debate that continues to be waged online is over people's changing reading habits and the trend of people writing shorter pieces. For example, it has been said that blog posts are replacing books and tweets are replacing blog posts. My opinion of this is that it's hogwash. I've tried my hand at tweet storms for a period. There's no question that shorter snippets of text composed in a style meant to grab someone's attention, can lead to more Twitter followers, retweets, and likes. Why else would people do tweet storms? However, the tweets comprising those storms are forgotten within a few hours. And to be frank, I don't find them having much depth. Meanwhile, I can easily recall certain blog posts or books that I've read years ago. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that's just a result of those blog posts and books being longer. Instead, writing is a powerful art. 
I don't think it should be manipulated just to chase social media engagement. So I don't think you should take an article and try to say to yourself, okay, well, I got to sum this up in five tweets, put it in a tweet storm and just do that. I don't agree with that. In my view, the trend of shortening blog posts into what are just tweets is ultimately a growth hack. The other point has to do with viability. Is it possible for there to be other above Avalon's, one or two person shops focused on specific companies other than Apple? Sure. Instead, the more important question comes down to how long it will take someone to find an audience for that. For example, if someone wants to dedicate his or her career to covering Coca-Cola, there is no question that 1,000 to 10,000 people in the world would be interested in paying for top-notch analysis and perspective on Coca-Cola. However, can someone find those 1,000 people within a reasonable time period before the household bills take over? That's much less clear. As for covering other popular companies like Amazon and Tesla, by the way, I have gotten people over the years comment how they want to start sites like Above Avalon focused on those two companies. My theory here is that a company needs to have a defined and storied culture in order to have an outside observer properly analyze the company. When you look at Tesla, Trying to cover that company in the above Avalon style ultimately comes down to analyzing Elon Musk. And that's an entirely different job. When you look at Amazon, that company presents its own challenges as they're all about throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks. With Apple, there is a decades-long track record of a corporate culture and mission that makes it possible to analyze the company's strategy, actions, and future. In the blog post announcing Above Avalon membership back in 2015, I began with the following, quote, Above Avalon will be 100% supported by its readers, and I'm very excited about that model. I am confident this will assure that Above Avalon will continue to serve as a vibrant, independent source of unique perspective on Apple for a very long time, end quote. While I had a good hunch that the model was going to work, I ultimately had no way of knowing for sure. Over the subsequent days, weeks, months, and years, I passed certain thresholds, like the point of first reaching financial sustainability or the time that the first annual memberships came up for renewal. Those milestones ended up being validation markers more than anything else, signs that I was onto something. This fifth-year anniversary feels different in comparison to those previous milestones. Instead of seeking validation, it's a time for being grateful by taking a moment to think about and recognize those who have helped above Avalon get to this point. At the end of these podcast episodes, I usually say a variation of, I am proud to say that above Avalon is fully sustained by its members. That pride is born out of a gratefulness that there are people out there who allow me to share my perspective on the world. To all of you out there who are above Avalon members, thank you. Here's to a great first five years and to many more. That's going to do it for today's episode. Hopefully that gave you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look 
of Above Avalon and my business model. Next episode, we will get back to the usual schedule of talking about a specific topic related to Apple. For more information on Above Avalon membership, just head on over to aboveavalon.com and then go to the membership page. You'll find a few sample daily updates are there so you can get a feel for what a daily update is like. The full list of member privileges and benefits are there as well. And I have a section dedicated to answering frequently asked questions. So all of the information is found in one spot. There are two membership options available. It's either $20 per month or $200 per year. And to get a feel for the types of stories discussed in the updates, just head on over to the daily updates page. You will see the story headlines for every daily update going back to May 2015. If you enjoy these podcast episodes and the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, I do think you will find a lot of value in becoming an Above Avalon member. With that, I will conclude today's episode. I will talk to you all later.